Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the Word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 17, and we're going to look at a few verses there, 14 to 21. And it says this, And when they had come down, come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him, and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus in answer said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured that very hour. And when the disciples came to Jesus privately and asked him, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you you will say to this mountain, move from here to there. And it will move and nothing will be impossible to you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Thomas Edward Lawrence, T.E. Lawrence, was born in 16th of August in 1888 in Trimadoc, which is in North Wales. And he was well known by another name. He was actually called Lawrence of Arabia. And Lawrence became famous for his exploits, uh, exploits as a British military liaison officer to the Arab revolt during the First World War. And history tells us that the desert raids of Lawrence and his Arab rebels tied down hundreds and hundreds of Turkish troops, troops that would have been fighting the British, the main British armies in the Middle East. Lawrence of Arabia's struggle against the Turks during World War I was a story of classic guerrilla warfare. And his personal account, which was a, his diaries, were published and written in a book which was called The Seven Pillars of Wisdom. And it became a classic in world literature. And of course, many of us, we've seen the movie, haven't we? And we know who Lawrence of Arabia was. He was played by a guy, an actor called Peter O'Toole. But during the war, Lawrence formed close friendships with many of the sheiks of Arabia. And after the war, he brought some of those sheiks back to England to show his appreciation for their support against the Turkish domination. They had a wonderful visit. They appeared before the joint houses of parliament, the lords and the commons. They had an audience with King George V and his wife, Queen Mary. And then he took them across to Paris, where they were involved in the peace talks in the Treaty of Versailles in 1919. On the last night of their visit, Lawrence offered them anything they wanted as a gift 
to take back with them to their desert homes. They led him up to the hotel room, into the bathroom, and they pointed to the taps in the bathtub. They said that they wanted to take the taps back with them as it would provide them with running water in the desert. They didn't realize that the taps were superficial. They didn't realize that behind the taps was a plumbing system. They didn't realize that there was an energy source that heated the water. That there was a city main that supplied the water. And from the city main went a line, a line to, to an outside source of water, probably a reservoir some hundred miles away. You see, friends, and this is the title of my message this morning. The magic is not in the taps. It's what's behind the taps that gives the water. The taps, well, they can be 24 karat gold. They can be ornate and jewel encrusted. But if they're not attached to a water supply, they're useless. The magic is not in the taps. The power comes from what is behind the taps. Things that are not visible to the human eye, but are there nevertheless. If the pump, if the plumbing, if the reservoir ever go out of service, the tap becomes useless. It's what's behind the tap that gives it its power. Friends, can I say this morning that we are God's taps? I'll say that again. We are God's taps. And the first thing I want to say to you is this. My first point is this. The tap is necessary to get the water to where it needs to be. Now, this morning, I don't want to minimise the importance of a vessel because God needs taps. God has always and will always work through human vessels. In fact, if we are honest, most of the time, God works through the most unlikely of vessels, the most unlikely of characters. You see, and I want to tell you this quite honestly, if God can use me, Steve Haslam, in some small way, I am telling you, God can use anyone. And I want to give you a few examples of the people that God has used from the Bible. Did you know that Moses stuttered? David's armour didn't fit. Timothy had ulcers. John Mark was rejected by Paul. Amos's only training was in the school of fig tree pruning. Solomon had 700 wives. Joseph was a dreamer. Jacob was a liar, David had an affair, and Solomon again, well, he, he was just too rich. Abraham was too old, 
David was too young. Peter was afraid of death. Lazarus was dead. John was self-righteous. Naomi was a widow. Paul was a murderer. So was Moses. Jonah ran from God. Miriam was a gossip. John, uh, Gideon and Thomas, they both doubted. And poor old Jeremiah, well, Jeremiah, he was depressed and suicidal. Elijah was burnt out. Martha was a warrior. And Mary, well, some folk will tell you that she was lazy. Samson had long hair. Noah got drunk. And that's not all. Did I mention that Moses also had a short fuse? So if we take a look at Moses from that list of characters, we will see that he was a murderer who stuttered and had a short fuse. Friends, this morning, God can use anyone. And I want to ask you the question, is that you this morning? The thing is, God doesn't require a job interview. He doesn't hire and fire like most bosses because he is more our dad than our boss. When God uses us, he doesn't look at financial gain or loss. He's not prejudiced or partial. He's not judging or grudging. He's not deaf to our cry. He's not blind to our needs. Isn't that fantastic? God can use anyone. Friends, God needs us, whoever we are, to be his taps. John 7 verse 38 says this, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. God can have all the plumbing in place, have the pump all hooked up, ready to pour out many blessings on his people and on the world, but he needs us to be the vessels. He needs that tap. And in many cases, the only thing that stops a move of God is the lack of a vessel. Think about it. When Elijah was performing that special miracle for the prophet's wife, the oil was flowing really freely. But the Bible tells us in 2 Kings 4 verse 6, now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. The only thing that stopped the flow of oil was the lack of a vessel. Now, don't ask me to explain why God decides to use imperfect vessels, us, to accomplish his work. It's a mystery. It doesn't make sense to me that this God who can do all things would choose to restrict himself to moving through imperfect, flawed, inconsistent humanity. But he does. I don't know why the creator chooses to move through his creation. But I do know this. God is always seeking for men and women whose hearts are open and primed for God through which to move. Is that you this morning? 
At the day of Pentecost, God poured out his spirit upon all flesh. He was filling vessels. And Isaiah 43, God says, I will work who will let me. You see, God needs a vessel through which to work. Ezekiel tells us that God is seeking a man to stand in the gap. When the Lord struck Saul from his horse on that road to Damascus, he tells Saul to go and see Ananias, and he will tell you what to do. God is using human vessels. In the book of Revelation, John says, God wept because he could not find no man to open the book of salvation. So God himself took on the form of a man to bring repentance. This morning, friends, do you understand? Do you realize how important we are to the work of God? God will not move without a vessel. God will not pour out his Holy Spirit without a tap for it to flow through. We are those taps. God needs you and God needs me. Now, the second point that I want to talk about is this. Even though God needs us, we cannot afford to take the glory for what only God can do. We are the taps, but we must remember that there is no magic in those taps. It's what's behind the tap that counts. If my power supply ever gets shut off behind the wall, this tap will become useless. I may still look good. I may still say the same things. I may still appear to be the same. But if my power supply, God, is shut off, then really, I'm not used to anyone. I would be a waste of space. Romans 7 verse 18 says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. To will, to, uh, for to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. We must understand this morning that we are only the vessel, the conduit, the tap. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7 says, But we have treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Friends, remember, the power is God's. We are only the earthen vessel. Romans 12 verse 3 says, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is amongst you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. No matter how much God moves through us, we must remember it is God and not us. No matter how many prophecies we give, no matter how much anointing, uh, preaching and teaching comes from, uh, from us, we must never forget that it's what's behind the tap that makes all the difference. No matter how many good things happen amongst us, we are only the tap. In our text this morning, Jesus is teaching his disciples this very important point. 
they had most likely watched Jesus cast out demons many times before. They had probably watched as he had sent legion of demons into a herd of swine. Numerous times the scripture tells us it speaks of Jesus casting out demons and it is more than probable that the disciples were witnesses to all of these events. So now they had come across this situation and they must have felt very confident that they could handle it, bringing this fellow brought his epileptic son to meet Jesus. They thought they could handle it. Leave it to us, boss, we'll sort it out. They will have watched Jesus do this. They will have observed his hand motions. They will have listened to what he said and how he said it. They had the words, they had the actions, they had the motions. But there was one thing missing. They had no power. There was nothing behind the wall, nothing behind the taps. And they failed miserably <coughs> at the task at hand. So Jesus takes this opportunity to tell them that there is no magic in the taps. In other words, if there is no prayer and fasting, there will be no power. Why is there such a lack of power in our lives? Why do we see so many people not getting that victory over sin in their lives? Why do we see so many weak, desperate, defeated and dejected Christians? Why? Why? Do you know what some of the effects are of having no power and being powerless? Lack of power affects the life and testimony of believers. Lack of power results in a mediocre Christian life. Lack of power affects the work of the church. Lack of power results in ministries going undermanned, programs being overlooked, <coughs> needs going underfunded, and volunteers being overworked. Lack of power affects the evangelism of the lost. Lack of power causes the world to question the validity of our faith and to question God and his ability and power. The disciples asked the question, why? Why are we so powerless? Do you want me to tell you why, I think? Sue and I try to watch the food that we eat. Sue more than me. As you can see from me, I'm a fine figure of a man. A few years ago, we, we were well into organic food and organic farming. We sought it out. And I must admit it was having a beneficial effect on our lives, or I felt it did. To the only effect these days, though, is the beneficial effect these days is the effect on our wallets. The price of organic food is scandalous. But being nosy about food, what's in food, we have noticed that when a product is light, L-I-T-E, it doesn't necessarily mean that it is good for us. The product might say it is light in sugar, 50% less than normal. The thing is, what is normal? It shouldn't have any in at all. 
But light is also not good when it comes, when it is applied to faith. The Bible declares in Hebrews 16 verse, 11 verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. Christ tells his disciples that their unbelief, their lack of faith is what drained their power. And do you know what unbelief does? It doubts Christ. It questions the power of Christ. And it questions the power of Christ within oneself to accomplish the will of God. Then there is number two, there is light lives. Lives that are a bit lackadaisical. But let me tell you this morning, friends, before one can exercise authority or power, one must submit to authority and power. Before one can lead, one must learn how to follow. Before God's power can flow through our lives, we must submit to his authority on our lives. And then keep those channels open and clean for that power to flow right through us. And then lastly, there's light connectivity, being connected to God. These days, friends, we are so busy, too busy to pray. And so we're too busy to have power. That's the bottom line. We have a great deal of activity in our lives, busy, 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 busy bees, but we accomplish not a lot. I love the story of the man who bought a new computer. He brought his computer home from the shop. He carefully opened the box. He then carefully took out the machine. He then carefully studied the manual and connected all the wires. Eagerly, he flicked on the power switch, but nothing happened. Puzzled, the man switched the computer off <coughs> and then rechecked re all the connections. He then read again the relevant portions of the manual, satisfied that he had followed the instructions to the letter of the law. He again flicked the computer on and again nothing happened. As his anger rose, his little girl walked into the room. Hi, Dad! She shouts in a cheery voice. What a lovely computer! Can I plug it in? Mm. Friends, this morning, how is your power source? Are you plugged in to what God is doing? Are you plugged in to what God is doing in your life? In your family's lives? In the church life? Remember, there is no miracle in the tap. It's what's behind the tap that makes all the difference. You know, we can say the right things. We can do the right hand motions, even use the right tone of voice. But if there is nothing under the surface, there will be no power coming from the taps. My final point, and friends, the biggest problem we have, the biggest danger we face is this. When we try to duplicate through mere human efforts what only be, can only be produced by God. You know, friends, preachers get into a lot of trouble 
when they learn how to preach in their own strength. Singers and musicians get into a lot of trouble when they learn how to worship in their own strength. Teachers get into trouble when they learn how to teach the word of God in their own strength. <coughs> we must never reach that point where we learn how to do what only God can do. We, that we never become so smart, so intelligent, so brainy that we don't need God. I want to finish with telling you a story. In 1947, 1847, a doctor from Edinburgh, Sir James Simpson, he discovered that chloroform could be used as an antiseptic to render people insensible to the plain pain of surgery. And from his early experiments, Dr. Simpson made it possible for people to go through the most dangerous of operations without fear of pain and suffering. Some people claim that this was one of the most significant discoveries of modern medicine. Some years later, when he was lecturing at the Edinburgh University, Dr. Simpson was asked by one of the students, what do you consider to be your most valuable discovery of your lifetime? To his surprise of the students who had expected him to refer to chloroform, Dr. Simpson replied, the most valuable discovery was when I discovered myself a sinner and that Jesus Christ was my saviour. And I want to say to you this morning, friends, whether we are a doctor of medicine, a doctor of music, or just a doctor of life, friends, the most valuable discovery that we can make this morning is this. No matter how smart we are, no matter how well we can preach, no matter how well we can sing or play music instruments, no matter how well we can organise, no matter how well we do things, we are all still sinners saved by grace. And there is no power in us. We are just the tap, the conduit, the vessel through which his power moves. You see, there is no miracle in the taps. And I want you to remember something this morning. I want you to take away something this morning. No matter what we have done, no matter where we have been, no matter what we have seen, if our heart is open and primed for God, we will be used by God. <laughs>